Well, we are delighted that you are with us today in worship, uh, and we do hope that you will have a great week that starts today. Sunday is the first day of the week, and we're excited that you have decided to start your week with us. Um, we are in the midst of a, a series that we're calling Whole Life. Uh, it comes out of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus has uh, a large crowd of people who followed him. Uh, he'd been doing miracles, uh, make, healing people's bodies. He'd been delivering people from oppression. And, and these crowds just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And, and so he, he pulls aside uh, to this place, uh, this level place outside one of the cities where he can, he can talk to them and begin to share with them really what God wanted for their life. Because like most of us, they were seeking a, a better life than the one they were living at that point in time. And when they saw the miracles that Jesus was doing, then they began to believe, you know what? This man, this man could offer me more. And so Jesus is doing the miracles and healing their hearts and healing their bodies. But, but in the process, he, he wants to talk to them about what it means to live in a whole manner, to live the way they were actually created to live. Because you see, all of us were created to live in a connection with God. We were all created to be able to, to share in this relationship that, that God who knows us, knows every part about us, wants us to live in this intimate relationship with him. Unfortunately, because of the sin that exists in the world, the sin that goes back all the way to the creation where we're in a perfect world, uh, Adam and Eve, the, the original human beings, <laughs> chose to follow their own inclinations rather than follow the instructions of God. And when you choose to follow your own inclinations rather than the instructions of God, then what you're really doing is you're saying, you know what, I know more than you know, God, about my life. And I know what I want. But what happened to them and what therefore happens to all of us is that even though God made us, even though God breathed life into us at creation, even though nothing exists that didn't exist without Jesus speaking it into being, I mean, Jesus spoke the entire world into being, humanity has lived in separation from God because of this inclination that we have to try to follow our own strong will, to follow our own inclinations instead of his instruction. And as a result of that, there is brokenness. As a result of that, there is, there is pain. And so Jesus began to, to say to them, look, you watch me heal these bodies. You watch me make these people whole again. And, and what I want to do is I want to show you what it looks like to live in this relationship with me now. Not just someday up in the future, but, but right now, today, to live connected to me. And so as, as he's teaching them, he, he begins to talk to them about what it means to, to really love each other. Pastor Kayla helped us understand that a few weeks ago. But what, what it really means to begin with love, to, to start wholeness with this understanding that God loves us, and therefore, because we are loved, we can love. We can love him, and we can love others. And then last week, we looked at, at Jesus using this, this strong image of hyperbole about a log in your own eye when you're trying to pick the dust out of somebody else's eye. 
And the fact is that if we're going to be whole, if we're really going to be people who begin with love, then, then we have to be merciful people who don't judge others when we ourselves have these, these barriers between us and God. And, and so what happens is, as Jesus is teaching about this, about this love and about this mercy and about this grace, he, he comes to a place where he begins to describe some things. He begins to describe what, what it means to, to really know what's valuable and, and to, really, to really understand what it is that you were made to do. Listen as I read from Luke chapter 6 as I start at verse 43. Jesus talking to these people. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil nature of their heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks. Now, what Jesus is trying to say to them is that, that who you are on the inside, who you are at your core, eventually changes the way you relate to people. Because you were created to be good, you were created to be in the image of God, you were created to be whole, and yet because of this following of your own selfish inclination, your, this 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 separation from God because you want to do what you think is best rather than what God has told you is best for you, then as a result, you end up, you end up breaking yourself and other people. You end up producing fruit that really aligns with who you are on the inside. Uh, the spring of my junior year in college, my parents moved from Mississippi, where my father was pastoring, to southeast Missouri. Um, place called Sykeston, Missouri. It's in the boot hill, um, right where Kentucky and Illinois and Missouri all come together. And since they had moved, I had no reason to go back to Jackson where I'd grown up for spring break, and I had no money to go to Florida with my friends, and so I went to where my parents were living in Sykeston, Missouri. About the third day, my father says, hey, I'm going to a minister's meeting over in Poplar Bluff. I, I kind of liked Poplar Bluff because it was a high school. You've got to be really strong people for your high school mascot to be a mule, all right? And, and, and that, that was their high school mascot. They were the Poplar Bluff mules. I'm like, okay. And uh, that sounded interesting. And, and he said, well, I'm going to minister. I said, Dad, I don't want to go to minister's meeting. It's spring break. I'm a junior in college. I just want to rest. And he, he looks at me and said, no, no, son, I'm buying barbecue on the way. I said, I'm there, all right? Let's go. We get over to Poplar Bluff, and, and these preachers are all, and I'm kind of looking at them and thinking, God, you called, me to, you called me to be a pastor, but these guys are weird. I'm not sure I want to hang out with them. They're just different, you know? And, uh, and, he's, and suddenly, the weirdness amped up because as they're eating lunch, uh, the guy who's in charge says, hey, we've got some new pastors in the area right now. I want you to all introduce yourself. And so one by one, they're, hey, my name's whoever, and I'm from wherever, and and suddenly my dad stands up. My dad says, says oh, well, my name is Forrest, and this is my son, Kerry. Hey, listen, Kerry's a junior at Anderson University. He thinks God's called him to preach. 
and um, he needs practice. So if any of you guys are on vacation this summer, you, you just call me, we'll have Carrie come over and preach for you. I'm like, are you kidding me? You talk about bait and smith and switch. I'm there for the barbecue, you know. I'm 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 not I'm not there for anything else. And and now suddenly he's like telling people I'm gonna go to their churches and preach. I don't even know where their churches are. And so I was like, man, I came back up here for the rest of the semester. And sure enough, about two weeks before the end of the semester, the phone rang and somebody, this is back in the in the dark ages when you only had one telephone on the floor in the dorm, okay? Um, and so one of the guys on the floor came down to my room. Hey, Carrie, there's some guy on the phone for you. And I go down there, and this guy says, oh, my name is Wayne Thornton. I'm the head of the pastor search committee uh, at the Oak Grove Church of God in Donathan, Missouri. And I'm like, I don't know where that is, and I don't know who you are. Why are you talking to me? He said, well, our, our, our pastor just resigned, and he's leaving in two weeks, and and he said that, uh, that your father said you could come and be the pastor of our church for the summer. Okay. And, and he goes, and we'll pay you. I'm like, oh, okay. Summer job. We'll give you a house to live in. Uh, and, you can, and so I, uh, I leave Anderson University. It was a college in those days. And I leave Anderson College, and I, I drive down... Um, and I get to this little church. It was a great church. It was a wonderful place. They loved me. I love them to this day. Um, and they were about 40 or 50 people. Um, most of the congregation, actually, was in their late 20s, mid-30s. Uh, and here I was, 21 years old. And uh, they, they did a lot of wonderful things that I learned a lot um, that summer. But one Sunday after church, one of the guys, because we played softball all the time, and one of the guys on the soft church softball team had played college baseball at uh, Southeast Missouri State. And David came to me after the service, and he said, hey, pastor, said, uh, I'm still getting used to that. 21 years old, somebody calls you pastor. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, uh, well, okay, uh, what do you need? He said, well, my buddy and I are going fishing on the river Next, 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 on Tuesday, you want to come with us? I'm like, well, I don't have anything else to do. Uh, sure. And so um, we get out on the river. Now, the river in Donovan, Missouri, is a place called the Current River. The Current River starts up at uh, Montauk State Park up in uh, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. It runs about 175 miles through Missouri into Arkansas. The Current River is so clear, even to this day, that if you fly over it in a small plane, you can see the bottom. It is a spring-fed river that just grows as it goes through. It drops in elevation from like 900 or 1,000 feet to like 200 feet by the time it empties down in Arkansas into another river. And people would go swimming, and they would go tubing, and they would do all of that in certain spots. But David and the other guy from our church were they made their money in the summer. They were school teachers, and they made their money in the summer by guiding businessmen from St. Louis on where to fish in the river. So they come and get me early in the morning. They got the boat behind the truck, got the dog in the back of the truck. It's Missouri, y'all. And we're going out, and we go, and we put the boat in, and, and, and we're having a good I'm not catching anything. I mean, I, I'm really just hanging out with them, and and then as the day goes on, the sun's coming up and it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. 
And suddenly, I mean, it's a summer day in, in the Ozarks, and it's, I mean, it, it's just sweltering heat. When suddenly David stands up, peels off his shirt, jumps over the side of the boat into the river, comes up, looks at me and says, hey, pastor, come on in. The water's fine. You should never trust a shortstop from Southeast Missouri State University. Because I went over the edge of that boat into the, honestly, in the training room in, in college uh, during football, I, I, I was in ice baths that were not as cold as that river, all right? I mean, it was just like jumping into a bucket of ice water. And, and I came up and I'm stuttering and, my, and I'm, my teeth are chattering. And I'm like, back, I'm not even sure I really even stopped to just kind of right up over the, wa into the water and back into the boat. And I'm sitting in the back of the boat and I'm shivering. And I'm looking, going, David, he's just laughing. They'd set that up for three days, y'all. <laughs> They'd been planning that. Now, now, why would I tell you that story when Jesus is talking about trees and fruit and, and what's going on in people's heart and treasure? Because here's what I learned that day. I didn't know this. No one had ever told me this. I guess maybe I read it in a book, but I experienced it that day. I experienced the fact that a spring-fed river, no matter how far you are from the spring, if there are no other tributaries and if the depth is deep enough and the sun can't warm, the sun warms the top, it does not warm the bottom. It is just as cold there as it is when it comes out of the spring. And what I know is it is true to its source. And that's why I'm talking to you about it this morning. Because when it's, when it's true to its source, it's living within what God created you to be. See, God created you good. God created you in his image. God created you for more than most of us are living right now because we follow those selfish inclinations, because we have that, that tendency within ourselves. And see, what, what, what Jesus is trying to tell those people and what I believe he's trying to tell us in the 21st century is this, the real treasure of your life is in the connection to God. And if you can have the connection to God through Jesus Christ, then here's the deal. It's not about all the image that you project. It's not about how you try to tell everybody you're a good person. It's not about how you try to show them all these things about how spiritual you are. The reality is it's your heart that Jesus is after. And what Jesus is trying to say is, look, if you will connect with your heavenly father through me, this mercy I've been talking about, this grace I've been talking about, this, this love that I've been telling you about, this kind of lifestyle where the brokenness and the hurt and the pain get healed up, that can happen inside you. But if you insist on doing things your own way, if you insist on doing things on the outside instead of the inside, then, then you're just playing a game. And you're not really gonna discover wholeness. You're not gonna discover your treasure. You're not gonna discover what Dagon has discovered. Because part of what, what Dagon wants you to know, because he and I have talked about this, is that he came to Anderson University, like a lot of my friends, just to play ball. He's from Florida. He came here to play ball. But what Dagon didn't know was Jesus. He never met Jesus. And Dagon came here and he played ball for a while and, and then he left school. Didn't graduate, just left. While he was here, he got involved in some stuff, stuff like some of you have been involved in in your life, things that don't honor God, things that don't honor yourself, things that don't honor your family. But you know what happened for Dagon? 
Dagan left here, and he ended up in North Carolina. And I have his permission to tell you this. As he said to you in the video, he got involved in a whole bunch of stuff that hurt, deep hurt. So here he is, bright, intelligent, athletic, and he ends up in a lifestyle that caused him to end up homeless, sleeping in his car. And last fall, something happened inside of Dagan. He began to feel something. Now, now, I know what that is. Those of us who read Scripture understand. Dagan didn't know what was going on. See, what happened was that, that the Holy Spirit of God knew Dagan. The Spirit of God knows you, wherever you are, where you're from. And what happened is God's Spirit began to talk, talk to Dagan and say, Dagan, you know what? There's something in Anderson, Indiana you need. Something in Anderson University you need. And so Dagan came back for homecoming to see some of his friends, right? And then when he left, he's telling me this story a few weeks ago, a few days ago. Hey, pastor, I left and I went back. And on the way back, I'm like, I need to be there. And so last fall, he tells his boss, I'm quitting my job. He comes back here, re-enrolls in school. And somebody gives him a conversation where he sees somebody he knows that has some. See, he saw some people who had wholeness, and he started asking them, where did you find that? The result is that he ends up in a conversation with Mason Fridley. Mason says, have you ever asked Jesus in your life? And Dagan's like, that's what I'm here for. And, and, and I tell you Dagan's story because you watched him make a public statement today that for the rest of his life, Dagan's not going to be perfect, but Dagan is committed to Jesus. And what Dagan did by being baptized is Dagan is saying, hey, listen, I want to connect in such a way that the treasure that God has put inside of me becomes who I am. And this morning, whether you're with us on campus, whether you're with us online, or whether you're on with us later this week on demand, here's what I want you to know. The same thing that happened to Dagan can happen to you. What I want you to know is the same spirit who knew exactly where Dagan was when his family didn't even know where he was knows exactly where you are right now. And if you want to find the treasure, if you want to discover the wholeness, if you want to find the love, the grace, the mercy that we've been talking about these last few weeks, then here's what you've got to know. You've got to know that the condition of your heart determines the fruit of your life. Not the behavioral patterns that you try to use to fool everybody into thinking you're somebody you're not, but the condition of your heart, the authenticity, the honesty, the willingness to say to God, hey God, you know what? I'm gonna be who you want me to be. I'm not gonna follow my inclinations. I'm gonna get into your word. When Dagan and I were talking about this, I got excited because I love the way the Holy Spirit works. Dagan says to me, Pastor, I never really read the Bible, but I went to an on-campus Bible study and the gal, there was a, a, a student, female student who was talking and she said something about Jesus being the good shepherd and she read from some place called John. He said, so I didn't know anything about it, but I went and got a Bible and found that place called John. I read all of the Gospel of John. And I thought to myself, I've been trained in evangelism for years and witnessing in years. You know the book of the Bible I would tell somebody they should go read? First, if you've never read the Bible, John. But you know what? Dagan didn't need, need, need me to tell him that. Jesus told him that. The Holy Spirit told him that. And he stood before you today 
as a symbol of baptism to say, hey, you know what? I've discovered something. My heart had to change. And I'm letting God change my heart because my heart determines my behavior. My heart determines my fruit in my life. That's why Jesus used this analogy about trees. I mean, look at it again. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. When my parents moved to that church in Missouri, one of the ways they welcomed the pastor, it was a wonderful church, Tanner Street Church of God, Sykeston, Missouri. is a great group of people, still is to this day. Good friend of mine, Dr. George Carl, pastors that church now. But, but, that, but that group of people, they're so, here was their welcome gift to the pastors. It was a money tree. Now, some of you don't know what that is, but it's where they take some sticks and they make it look like a tree and then they tie dollar bills and $20 bills and $100 bills and they, the people wrap them up. It's a, it's a love offering tied to a tree. My youngest brother was in the sixth grade when they moved there. I remember going and he's like, hey, Kerry, in Missouri, the trees grow money. Like, no, they don't. No, they don't. But can I tell you something? Trees grow what their root system's connected to. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. Friend, if you discover who you are in Jesus Christ, if you discover that the Spirit of God is speaking to you and wants you to leave your inclinations and follow his instructions, then suddenly you begin to understand that he's at work in your life and he begins to do something in you and what's coming out of you is coming from what God is doing inside of you. The problem is, if you try to fake it, if you try to pretend it, if you try to do it because somebody else is doing it, then you're not going to end up in a place where you're whole. You're, you're going to end up divided. You're, you're going to end up with having this secret place. You're going you're to end up with this stuff inside of you that you don't want anybody else to see. And, and what Jesus is saying to these people is, look, if you want to be merciful like I'm merciful, if you want to be full of grace, if you want to experience who I made you to be, then here's what you've got to know. No, no secrets. You've got to let me inside here. Into those fears, into that anxiety, into that brokenness, into that woundedness. And if you, if you let me in there, then I'm going to help you discover treasure. I'm going to help you discover a way of life in which my spirit begins to work with your spirit and I begin to change you because here's, here's what Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to know that a, that a whole life recognizes the consistency of character within creation. You say, so what do you mean by that, Pastor? Jesus created the world, y'all. Jesus is the one who spoke the world into being. And he says to us, well, look, figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes and grapes aren't gathered from bramble bushes. No, you get, you get figs from a fig tree. You get grapes from a grapevine. I made this world. I created an order in this world. And so what I want you to know is that you're, there is a consistency to the character of my creation. 
Jesus spent his whole ministry, his whole life trying to explain this to people. One day, uh, some of you know the story, when he was traveling with his disciples through a place called Samaria, a place where there was animosity and, and, and between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. It was, it was a religious argument, actually. But it had turned into a whole bigoted, unreconcilable thing from a human perspective. In fact, most Jews would literally go out of their way to avoid going through Samaria. And Samaritans hated Jews. And there was all kinds of, of bigotry and unrest in it. But Jesus says to his Jewish disciples, hey, we've got to get somewhere. We're going through Samaria. They're like, we don't want to go there. He's like, no, we're going. And so they go through Samaria, and he gets outside of a, a little village, and there's a well there. And he says to his disciples, hey, you know what? It's time to eat. You guys go into the village and get something. I'm going to stay here by the well and rest. And while he's there, some of you know this story. A woman comes out in the middle of the day. That's not when women usually came to the well. Usually women came to the well in the mornings or maybe in the evenings. But the middle of the day, the heat of the day, no, no, not really. But she came there then when nobody else would be. She wasn't expecting anybody else there. And when she gets there, Jesus is sitting there. And Jesus looks at her and says, you know what? It's hot. I'm thirsty. Would you give me a drink? You use, you've got stuff. I don't have anything to get water out of the well. And she looks at him and says, mister, you shouldn't even be talking to me. First of all, you're a man. I'm a woman. In our culture, we're, you're not even supposed to talk to me. Secondly, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Our, our peoples hate each other. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. And it's in that moment, you can find this story in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Because it's an amazing story where Jesus looks at her and he makes this, this, this unbelievable promise. He says, listen, if you knew who it is, if you know who I am, if you knew who it were that's talking to you, then what you would do is you would ask me for water because I have living water. And when you drink my living water, you're never going to thirst again. To which she says, hey, give me some of that. <laughs> I, I, I want some of that kind of water, right? I'll never have to come back out here again. Jesus says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And then she starts trying to, to argue with him. I love that. When Jesus confronts her reality, she begins to argue religion. Have you ever met people like that? When, 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 when Jesus starts talking about who they really are, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, I'm, I used to, when I first, when, when, I, when I took the church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, our church was located in a, a part of Chattanooga called East Ridge. And for 45 years, I think, the pastor of East Ridge Baptist Church was Dr. Henry Preston. And, and Dr. Preston had retired 10 years before I became the pastor at, East, at, at Scott Memorial Church of God in East Ridge, Tennessee. But I cannot tell you how many times when I'm meeting people in the community and I would say, hey, do you go to church? They'd say, oh yeah, I go to East Ridge Baptist. I'm like, really, who's the pastor? Now the pastor for the few years had been Dr. Barry Wood, who was a friend of mine. And so I, I'd, I'd expect them to say, well, Barry Wood, and they'd say, Henry Preston? And I'm like, Henry Preston hadn't been the pastor there in a decade. When was the last time you went to Easter service, okay? See, people want to argue religion and put that up instead of being real. And that's what this woman did. 
And, and, and so I, I, Jesus looks at her and he says, no, no, listen, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to offer you a new way of living. When Jesus is talking to these people in the Sermon on the Plain, and he's talking to them about what it means for a good tree to bear good fruit, an evil tree to bear evil fruit, what he's really saying is this, out of the condition of your heart is the fruit of your life, and I made you to be consistent. I made the world to have a, a consistent character in it. And when Jesus said that to that woman, after he went through all of her defense mechanisms, finally, she turned and she ran into the city. And she told everybody in the village, hey, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I, I, I honestly think there was another part to the statement. Because what she said was, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done and didn't condemn me and didn't judge me, instead loved me. And she was so convincing that, that the entire village comes out to see Jesus. They invite Jesus to come in. And what I love is Jesus is there for them for a week. And after Jesus gets, when, about the time he's ready to, to leave, the, the people in the village turn to the woman one day and, and they say, hey, look, you need to know, we're no longer believing in Jesus because of what you said. We're believing in Jesus because we've been with him too. You want to discover treasure in your life? You want to discover a wholeness in your life? You want to let God do for you what he's doing for the people around you? Quit trying to be religious. Quit trying to, to be a, a tree that's growing something that you're not. Instead, let Jesus come into your heart. Let him begin to make a change inside. Let him connect you to the source because if you're connected to the source, you never lose the connection because here's what happens. The treasure of our heart, it's what we produce with our life. The treasure of your heart, that connection to God is what happens in your life. You are who that deepest part of you is. You're not all the things you pretend to be, the image you project out to people. No, that's, that's not it. No, you are, you are a person changed by Jesus if you let Jesus change you. He can change your heart. The apostle Paul put it like this in the book of Romans. He said, you know what? The good things that I want to do it's in the seventh chapter. I, I find myself not doing the good things that I want to do. And the bad things that I say I'll never do, I end up finding out that I'm doing the bad things that I never wanted to do. Who can save me from the wretched person that I am? And then he says these amazing words. Thanks be to God for our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the one who puts the treasure in your heart. Jesus is the one who made you in the image of God. Jesus is the one who knows the plans that he has for you. Jesus is the one who can make you a tree that bears good fruit so that the treasure of your life, the treasure of everything in your life comes from the treasure of your heart. Because you see, 
the good person, out of the good treasure of their heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure of their heart, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. That summer I spent at Oak Grove Church in Donovan, Missouri, as a 21-year-old between his junior and senior year of college, living in a church parsonage with three bedrooms, a stove, an oven, and this is before there were microwaves, so it lets you know how old I really am. I'd buy TV dinners that you had to put in the oven because I couldn't cook. The ladies of the church would feed me every Tuesday. Every Tuesday, the, as they would call themselves, the widow women of the church would get into the church basement and they would quilt. They would make quilts for people in the community. But they would also have a pitch-in dinner and they would all make pies and they would all make food. And then they would quilt like all morning long and then about 11 o'clock they would go out and they would go pick up, the, the as they called them, this is southeast Missouri, the widow men. I'm like, the widow men? The widowed men. That's what they called them. The men whose wives had passed away, they would go get them. They knew all of them in the community, and they would bring them into the church and feed them one good meal a week. And since I was 21 and single, I got to eat too. And, and, and in that summer, I learned so many things. But the most important thing I learned was the fact that if my heart is right, then what Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 15 on the night before he died, in John chapter 15, verse 16, it became my life verse after that summer. Jesus said this to his disciples in that upper room where he'd washed their feet and served, served them the Lord's table before they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. As he's talking to them, he says this, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. But I have chosen you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. My friend, you want to be whole? You want to be the person you were created to be? Then you need to hear Jesus saying to you, I've chosen you. I've chosen you to let me come into your life and create in your heart an authenticity, an openness, a gracefulness, a mercifulness, a, a love that'll never let you go. Because the God we serve is a God who is good and who loves and who is gracious. So this morning, I, I want to invite you into that. I want to invite you into that goodness of God. So if you're on campus with us today, I'm going to ask you, would you stand, balcony, main floor, wherever you are, would you stand with us? And um, we're going to sing a song that talks about how good God is. And if it's not your song yet, if that's not who you are yet, then as we sing, my prayer is that it will become your song. But while we sing, I'm going to ask that today is the last Sunday before before finals at several of the local universities. And I know that many of you want you students, when you take your finals, you're headed home. And this may not be home for you. And so it would be your last Sunday with us until fall. For some of you who are seniors, it'll be your last Sunday with us. And we are so grateful for all you've provided 
for the faithfulness you have demonstrated. And so as we sing today, I'm going to ask you, if you're a university student, community college student, for Ball State, Indiana Wesleyan, Anderson University, even Taylor University, <laughs> wherever it is you attend school, I'm going to invite you to join me while we sing. It's right down here. And at the end of the song, I, I'm just going to pray God's blessing on you. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, while we sing, to come and let's just, let's just worship together. Students, come as we sing.
Congregation, I'm going to ask you if you would, from wherever you are, balcony, main floor, would you just extend your hands toward these students as we pray for them? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, today we are grateful for your goodness. For each of these young men and young women and the calling you've placed on their life. Lord, for some of them, that's clearer than it is for others. But for all of them, we know you have a plan and you have a purpose. And Lord, we believe you're going to use them to share your grace, your mercy, your love, your wholeness. Wherever they go, whether it's a trias trip or whether it's a working at a youth camp for the summer or whether it's just going home and being with their family and being a light for you in their own home, our prayer is that wherever they go from this day forward, they would know that you love them, that you are there with them, that you have called them, and that you have a treasure deep inside of them that you want to bring out so that others will know the love and grace that they've received from you. Go with them and go with all of us is our prayer. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.